Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. America and happy Thursday. An exciting day of news. A lot of things going on on many different fronts. We're going to have two great guests. Late last night, Justin News broke the story that Texas Governor Greg Abbott had finally declared several of the Mexican drug cartels to be operating as foreign terrorist organizations. That's a significant escalation in the war against the cartels that are bringing in that deadly fentanyl, killing our children, our young adults. Governor Abbott went a little bit further. He not only made the declaration on behalf of Texas, meaning it has legal implication in Texas if you're caught in Texas under Texas law. He asked President Joe Biden to consider doing the same. And we've got the perfect guest to referee that he is the chief legal officer and law enforcement officer for the state of Texas. Attorney General Ken Paxton will be on the show. That's going to be a really fun conversation. So much going on on the front lines of the border right now. And I think this designation will capture a lot of attention, a lot of fancy over the next few days. And hopefully you'll see how Washington reacts. We're trying to get a readout here in Washington. Some Republicans like this idea. Some are worried about it. But everybody agrees the fentanyl crisis is just killing way, way, way too many Americans. So some action is needed. Status quo is not an option. All right. And then after that, we're going to bring one of my colleagues on from Justin News, Aaron Kliegman. He had a fantastic story about the high-profile progressive liberal Democrats and some of these marquee races like the Wisconsin Senate race, Mandela Barnes, the Pennsylvania Senate race, John Fetterman, the Arizona governor's race, Katie Hobbs. Those are the three Democrats all three running from past progressive proclamations they made, whether it was decriminalizing drugs, getting rid of fracking. They're being pinned down now by their Republican opponents saying, hey, this guy said this. You don't agree with that, voters. And they've been forced, those Democrats are now reversing, flip-flopping, saying, I didn't mean that. That isn't quite what I meant. I changed my mind. It's a really fun dynamic. Aaron Kliegman nailed it. Really, really good story. And I'm really excited to have him on and describe that political dynamic because I've seen a guy, you know, it goes on with one or two candidates every election, but it is far more widespread. Two dynamics that I think are going on in this election that I haven't seen as widespread as this time. The first is the unwillingness or reluctance of candidates to agree to a debate. Katie Hobbs in Arizona not going to debate. Fetterman trying to get away with just one debate late in the process in late October. I think that's a really important dynamic that we need to pay attention to. And then this second one that Aaron's going to come on and talk about, which is disowning 
rhetoric that you just espoused, ideology you just espoused, policy positions you just espoused a few short months or years ago. That's a dynamic I haven't seen as widespread as I've seen it in this last election. So two really good guests, two really big issues. Drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations and flip-flopping and disowning your own policy positions. We're going to get to both of those with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, followed by my colleague from Just the News, Aaron Kliegman. We'll get that right after the commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest scored, I think, one of the most important First Amendment free speech victories in a long time in the courts. Friday night, a federal court ruled that Texas's social media law, which bans censorship, by the social media platforms under circumstances, particularly political opinion, political speech, that it can go forward, that it wasn't unconstitutional, like Big Tech said. The man who made that ruling possible is joining us right now, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. General Paxton, great to have you on the show, sir. Hey, great to be back. And obviously, this is a huge win for First Amendment free speech. 
It really was. And what's so interesting about the ruling is in addition to just affirming the law and that the legislature got it right and that your arguments were the right arguments, it went out of the way to say that there isn't this First Amendment license to just go censoring things. Even for big tech, even with Section 230, it was a pretty stunning ruling for the breadth of opinion that it kind of put in it, the legal theory that it had behind it. Were you surprised at how hard they came down on on the ruling? No, I mean, these were the arguments that we made and we were arguing. This editorial discretion by a company, especially when they're uh, basically a monopoly, that that's not what was protected by the First Amendment and that what they were actually doing was conduct, not speech. And so there were other arguments that were made about, you know, whether they were a common carrier because they are basically, you know, they control the marketplace. So they're like, a, you know, a telephone company. So their common carrier doctrine further supports this idea that they there are some things that they they can't do, which is discriminate based on what people say. Yeah, such an important point. You also weighed in this week, or maybe end of last week, on the FBI raid on President Trump's estate down in Florida, saying that you support the return of the privileged materials and that you saw within this Justice Department now a real weaponization of the law to go after political opponents. When you look, you step back now, obviously the 11th Circuit's worked on it. I'm sure it's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. But when you look at the Justice Department today, do you recognize that Justice Department from 10 years ago? You know, that's that's really the issue. We don't. And, and it, we, we don't trust it. And not because we just don't trust it. We have what we documented in that in that brief uh, to, to argue that the special master should make the decision about what's, what's, which materials are privileged as opposed to having the Justice Department make this is that we have numerous instances where the Justice Department has been dishonest in court hearings and the Biden administration has promoted things, first of all, that are unconstitutional, but secondly, they mislead the court, they mislead us, and then they, 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 there's a lot of gamesmanship that doesn't amount to being upfront. Look, we're okay with them making their arguments and we make ours, but they, they constantly move the target, they're constantly being dishonest, they're constantly acting in bad faith. They're not honest brokers anymore. They don't operate under the law. They don't try to follow the law. They don't try to follow even being truthful. And so I would want to put any major decision in front of them and certainly one where there's kind of a conflict of interest where they have a different interest than what the president of the United States has, and they have no interest in protecting executive privilege. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really noticeable. And it started with a direct order from President Biden because the documents that we got here showed that President Biden initiates this whole thing. No, John, he said up front he didn't, he didn't even know about it. That's right, yeah. By the way, this is an example of what I'm talking about. This exactly. is what they do. They just lie. He says straight up, I had nothing to do with this when this all started. I didn't know about it. And sure enough, the documents show he did, he authorized it. Not that he didn't know about it, he authorized it. So this is exactly what I'm talking about with the Biden administration and the current Justice Department and the current FBI. They are not honest brokers. It's political. They're more interested in politics and getting their way than they are being about truthful or following any laws. Yeah, and justice was supposed to be blind, but right now it definitely has a thumb on the scale of politics. It's really remarkable. You have seen and warned about this moment that we're in, the two plus million in one year, illegal immigrants crossing the border, 800 migrants dying, trying to get in unlawfully through the country under the most dangerous of circumstances. It doesn't seem as though anything that the courts have done or the sentiments of the American public are changing the Biden administration. They are doubling and tripling down on this. Where do you think this ends in the courts? I assume eventually somewhere the Supreme Court is going to have to order the president to follow the law, right? Well, you know, you'd think so. but And we, we've won most of our cases except for Remain in Mexico with a court 
really let us down, I think, because the court said that even though the law says that they have to, when somebody claims asylum, which is the major loophole they've been using, that they're supposed to either be detained before the hearing or sent back to their origin, country of origin. If, if that law isn't in place, then anybody can just come in, say the magic words, and they disappear and, and don't come up. Well, guess what? The court ruled that that was actually what the law was. And it, that's not what the law says, but that's what the court came up with. So it's been disappointing where the Supreme Court's made a decision finally on something. It's not been a good decision, and it's not protected our border, and it's put our whole border and our entire country at risk of crime, terrorism, obviously millions of people being invited into the country by the Biden administration illegally, and it's clear it's illegal. All of it's illegal, and yet so far, they've not been held, held accountable. And every time they are, they play this gamesmanship with us, like we talked about in our brief. They just change the rule, and then we have to sue them again, and they, they operate as if you know, they can continue to operate the way they, they were. And that's what they do. They just change the rules. And then we have to go sue them over that. We win. Then they keep doing what they want. And then they change the rules. That's why I said you can't trust them. They're not playing by any law, by any rules, by any decency. They're not doing, they're not being honest. They're being dishonest. Yeah, it really is remarkable. You had a wonderful tweet just a little bit ago describing the effect of the Joe Biden surrender at the border, the open border, the unwillingness to enforce the law, saying that it left Texas alone on the front lines against paramilitary murderous drug cartels. Yesterday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed an executive order designating certain Mexican cartels as terrorist organizations under state law and then implored President Biden and Vice President Harris to do the same your thoughts on the fact that Texas has to go to that level to try to protect itself. It's almost as if, and it's not almost as if, what is actually happening is the Biden administration has cut a deal with cartels. It's a partnership. They are in partnership. And the, the rule was set up on day one where Biden said, we're not going to deport anybody. It was a direct message to the cartels. You guys can make a lot of money on drugs and on transportation of people. Um, the average, I think, cost of getting in the country is about 8000 per 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 person. And then, of course, because all of the border agents are busy taking care of the logistics of moving these people and doing the transport, once the cartels drop them off to the Biden administration, then we, of course, transport them all over the country, mostly to Republican states to create damage in Republican states. And then, of course, the border is wide open for drugs, so a lot more people are dying. All of this is planned. The Biden administration expects it to happen. They know that people are going to die in the way of dehydration, drowning, you know, uh, being in cars that they're, you know, they get overheated and die, all part of the plan. They know it will happen. They know, they know there'll be more people dying. They also know that their crime will be at a higher rate and that more kids are going to die from drug overdoses than have ever died before. They are willing to accept all those consequences and just keep on trucking right down the road. And the cartels are getting richer and richer and richer. And I want to know who's benefiting from this. It is only one group, the Democratic Party, who wants more voters here voting for them, and they're hurting Republican states by imposing all of these social and economic costs on us that we have to pay for without the government's help. And as soon as you send a few to a sanctuary city that says they want these people, they complain that it's too costly and they can't take it and they export them either out of the Martha's Vineyard or out of Chicago to somewhere else. Pretty remarkable. I remember not that long ago, maybe a few months ago, 50 plus migrants died in a suffocatingly hot 
trailer, there was almost no outcry from the Democratic Party, from any of the progressives or liberals. It was as though it was a few hour event and they moved on. But if you send 48 of those migrants to Martha's Vineyard and disrupt the end of summer for all the wealthy socialites there, it's a national news story for uh, 10, 15 days. Do you think that what by what the governor has done and what you've been able to help him do with the, with the support of the law enforcement, that people now understand that Democrats are only in favor of illegal migration if it doesn't hurt their community? Well, look, that, that's the whole plan. And the governor was genius for doing this. It's only a small number of people. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the total, but it does show the hypocrisy of these, all of these liberal Democrats who said that they were creating sanctuary city policies. You know, when they did it during the Trump administration, when Trump was eliminating or reducing significant illegal immigration. And so they didn't have to worry about it. They could say it, but there were no consequences because Trump was protecting them. As soon as Biden opened the border, they thought they were still good. It still gets you know, Texas problem, Arizona problem, Florida's problem. None of them are being sent to their places or very few. And so they're like, this is awesome. They come and hurt these Republican states and we're good because we're, our states are, we're losing people anyway. We don't want to look like we're a loser state. We'll make Texas a loser state by making them incur all these economic and social costs. Instead, now they get a few and we find out what they really think. Oh my gosh, 50 people in Martha's Vineyard or 48, whatever the number was, they're the most, one of the most wealthy places in the world, and they didn't have room. Heck, President Obama could have fit them on his property, just him alone, let alone the rest of the island. They have more resources than most any place in America, and they couldn't take it for more than 24 hours. And then Chicago, same way. We're just going to ship them to the suburbs because we don't really want them, even though we said it was a great idea to bring these people into the country. It really is a remarkable moment. Now, there's a sheriff down in San Antonio that thinks he's going to sue to stop this movement of the migrants out of Texas. Uh, you'll end up defending the governor, most likely. Your thoughts on that lawsuit is, uh, do you think the state's on good, solid ground, legal ground? So um, this, this sheriff, and in, in obviously, is abusing his office. This is, I don't know, how, it's a travesty of justice. This crime, the crime rates in San Antonio have been rising dramatically. He is clearly doesn't care about the crime and the damage that's being done to the people of his own county. And he's more worried about Ron DeSantis uh, uh, sending people to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, I don't know even how to respond to that other than saying this guy is just, he has no concern for his actual job. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. A lot of the lawyers have looked at it said there's no legal basis for him even doing this. But I guess that's what happens in these circumstances. Politics trumps the law. One last thing I want to talk about. You joined in an Oklahoma case recently about federal overreach. And I think in the aftermath of West Virginia versus EPA, where the courts, the Supreme Court was clear, you can't make law where the Congress hasn't made law. It seems as though these agencies are trying to get away explaining some of the rationale of their decisions, some of the legal basis for why they're making grabs of power like they are. A lot of people don't you know, follow these cases, but this one could be a really important one in terms of its precedent in setting, I think, the actual doctrine. I forget the name of the doctrine, but I think it's called the Castle Doctrine or Castle Deference. But this idea that federal agencies, even in the aftermath of some pretty extraordinary slapdowns by the courts, still feel empowered to make law where Congress hasn't. This is, could be a very important case, this Oklahoma case, right? Yeah. So this is it's the Chevron. Um, it's called Chevron Deference. And it was created years ago by the courts where they just basically, if an agency makes some kind of law, 
uh, they just get deference. They it's presume that they can do it, and that that's not what the Constitution says. They're like a fourth branch of government that have no accountability because none of them are, they're not elected. So uh, it's a very bad doctrine. It's not constitutional, and we've been fighting it for years. And I, I'm hopeful the Supreme Court will agree with us, and I think they will, that these agencies have to have some statutory basis given them given to them by elected representatives. They're not their own little power bases uh, uh, that get to decide what the law is. And that's what they've been doing. And the Obama administration, the Biden administration, both relied on those agencies to make up laws because they can't get them passed by the elected representatives. So we'll just create it just like, you know, you do in China or Russia, wherever you have dictatorships. That's how it works. And we're not, we're, we're a constitutional republic. Whether you agree with the agency's rules or not, we, if we accept that, then we might as well accept we don't control our government. The government controls us. And we've always had a free, we've had a free society for, you know, uh, we're in our third century of freedom. Um, a lot of other countries have chosen to have a few people dictate what they are going to do and say and where they're going to work. And, you know, fortunately, Americans have continued to choose freedom over, over a totalitarian government. But that's what the Biden administration is moving us towards, where a few people get to tell us what to do. And, and maybe some Americans like that. But I would guess that most Americans Will, will not enjoy being subject to rules that are they have no control over. Yeah, such an important thing. Last thing, your office won a pretty big ruling in the last couple of days. Texas State Bar tried to sue. It's one of those nuisance lawsuits, political nuisance lawsuits. One of your first assistants, the judge ruled that lawsuit violates the Constitution, got it thrown out. I know it probably doesn't deter the liberals from continuing to pursue these things, but an important victory under the law for that, isn't it? Yeah. So what's going on around the country, all of us who are in these legal roles are being pursued by our bars, which tend to be very liberal Democrats. And what they try to do is, uh, is, is take away our licenses so we can't practice law. This happens to Republican AGs. So we all, a lot of us filed, there were like 19 states, I think, or 18 that filed the case uh, related to election uh, fraud and not following their, their, their constitutional role of letting the legislature decide election law. Well, we, we filed that lawsuit, and suddenly now the bars, they came after me, too. My case is still uh, being decided. I'm very optimistic, given what happened with this. And they tried to take my license away, and they tried to intimidate anybody from working for us by going after staff. And it's a very, um, it, it's the operation of the left now is, hey, we can't beat you with our ideas. We can't beat you at the polls, but we can put you in prison. We can ruin your life. We can take away your credibility. We can take away your license. We can take away your ability to work. We can try to make you, you know, put you away, shut you up. And in this case, fortunately, uh, this judge, and I'm sure they're going to appeal it because that particular case is, would go to the Austin Court of Appeals, which is a very liberal Democratic group. And then we'll, we'll very likely be in a worse position again because they tend to make political decisions. But it's a if they could do this, if the bar is allowed to tell me which cases to file, you might as well not have an elected attorney general. You might as well just, you know, let the bar make the make, let take over this office because that's effectively what they're saying is they control my office. You're a constitutional officer, but you don't get to decide. If you make a mistake on filing and you cross the line with us, we don't like it. We're coming after you. We're going to take your license. And, you know, they've offered us re public reprimands to just, you know, make it go away. We said no. We're not going to apologize for it. We're proud of this case. Well, Judge Youngblood made it really clear and really firm what you just said, which is this lawsuit was, would have been an unconstitutional limitation of the Attorney General's broad power to file lawsuits on the state's behalf, a right clearly supported by the Texas Constitution and recognized repeatedly by the Supreme Court. I suspect that no matter which way the 
appellate court in Austin rolls against the Texas Supreme Court, they're going to back up their long-term precedent, aren't they? I can't imagine. I mean, if they don't, well, you know, we don't really have an elected attorney general's office. So I can't imagine the Texas Supreme Court not getting this right. I can't imagine because I see it over and over in counties that, like Austin where judges decide that they would do this for political reasons um, and they don't really care what the law says or the Constitution. But there's clearly a separation of powers issue. These, these uh, committees were appointed by a branch of the, of the judiciary and they have no right, no matter what, no matter who they are, to control what happens over in the executive branch. Yeah, that's exactly what the judge concluded, too. Well, sir, it's always an honor to have you on. I know you're so busy <laughs> from being attacked to being on the attack and, and winning big cases for the state of Texas. It's always an honor to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me on, and hopefully November 8th goes well for all of us. I know a lot of Republicans are rooting hard for that date, so we'll have to watch and see how it goes. Attorney General, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. You as well, sir. Have a good day. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Aaron Kliegman, my colleague here at Justin News, is going to talk about a really fun story right after this. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. One of my colleagues this morning had a fantastic story. You know, a lot of times people's eyes glaze over when they see a politics story, election story. 
But Aaron Kliegman brought to life a dynamic that is really, to me, extraordinary. In 35 years of covering elections, I've never seen more candidates disown prior statements that they made. I mean, we remember famous moments like George W. Bush saying, read my lips, no new taxes. And he obviously went back on that. But these are candidates who got to be famous on the left by making the sort of claims that get progressives excited. And now that they're running in battleground states in the general election, they're running from their past as quickly as they could. And and it's in such large amount. It's in such widespread. I think it's really a dynamic of basically people denying or repudiating their very recent past. And Aaron did a fantastic job. And so I thought we'd bring him on the show to talk a little bit about what he found out with candidates like Mandela Barnes and John Fetterman and others like them. Aaron, great to have you on the show again. Hey, thanks for having me on. Always happy to talk to you. It is a wonderful story you wrote this morning. I've I've had a lot of people, including candidates and others, call me in the last day or so and just say, hey, this story really captured a very important dynamic, which is you have people running in races right now that don't want to own statements they made, actually not in the very distant past. Tell us a little bit about what you found out with people like Mandela Barnes and John Fetterman and others. Those are, by the way, two marquee Democratic Senate candidates and two Senate races that are probably going to decide the control of the Senate. What did you find? Sure. And um, so, as you said, uh, candidates who are um, saying who kind of made their made their names and were famous for um, adopting particularly uh, kind of far less progressive positions on a whole range of issues. And in some cases, in a matter of weeks or months, sometimes it's been a few years, but um, uh, really just taking the diametrically opposite view and and in really high high profile races that, that could determine the balance of power in Congress. And a recent one that uh, caught my eye was John Fetterman, who's uh, you know almost become a household name um, for uh, his campaign in, in Pennsylvania, the Democrat Senate nominee. And so he had uh, essentially uh, called for the release of all second degree murderers with life sentences from Pennsylvania's prisons, a position that I think you know was out, out of the main, mainstream, I think it's fair to say, and a lot of people kind of raised their eyebrows out. And um, I'm happy to go more into the background on that. But essentially, that that was kind of the position he adopted. Um, and even uh, last year, he said um, that he would like to see these saying, you know, they were deserving and rehabilitated and mercy must be a partner to justice. And also that it would provide a massive savings for taxpayers to free these second-degree murderers. But then he, um, his campaign just this week, um, walked that back, set, uh, walked completely back those comments, saying they were taken out of context. That he does not support freeing uh, all convicts serving life uh, without parole for second degree murder, and um, he basically just saying he supports common sense criminal justice reform. So very much walking that back. Another issue that uh, Fetterman's uh, quite um, clearly flip flop on is fracking. He in 2016 signed a pledge to brand and Pennsylvania's. Uh, the oil and gas industry is huge there, and he's a you know major source of revenue, major source of jobs, and kind of part of the way of life of uh, the Keystone State for uh, generations. And he signed a pledge back in 2016 to ban fracking and halt new fossil fuel leasing nationwide. He also wrote on uh, social media that the fossil fuel industry is a quote stain on Pennsylvania and its natural resources. However, he's uh, switched his, his position throughout the campaign. He's um, his, uh, his campaign has said that he's they're not just going to kind of abandon fossil fuel jobs and kind of leave these people on the lurch. He does not support a fracking moratorium or ban. And uh, he's kind of just 
and even talking about now energy security is paramount. So, but at the same time, however, he's kind of, he does, it seems like he doesn't want to uh, alienate his progressive base while kind of, he's trying to have it both ways. Cause he's also, also calling um, saying he'll be at the tip of the spear in the transition away from fossil fuels um, during the campaign. So that's, uh, you know, we can talk about other candidates, but he's one who's certainly uh, been, you know, it seems uh, walking back some of his uh, kind of more controversial stances. Without a doubt. And Mandela Barnes, who, you know, I, I think the Democrats had big high hopes that he would knock off Ron Johnson, the two-term Republican senator from Wisconsin. But he's had some really difficult moments as people begin to dig in. What he said in the very recent past and where he is today, abolish ICE was one of them, right? He was one of the ones that were tweeting and socializing the abolish ICE movement logo and signage. Tell us how he's flip-flopped on that one. Sure. So, and this is one, and he, Manila Barnes is really, it's a long list of issues that he's switched his positions on. Uh, abolished ICE is, is one, obviously, um, many progressives have been pushing to uh, abolish uh, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement because, um, you know, they're... Um, trying to enforce immigration laws, prevent illegal immigration, and uh, a lot of uh, people, particularly on uh, kind of the further left, uh, don't don't like that mission. And he's, um, for example, in 2018, a uh, an activist uh, offered him on uh, Twitter a, a red abolish ICE shirt in his size from the Democratic Socialist America, and he responded, "Don't know how I missed this reply, but I need that." And that's a direct quote. And then soon afterward, there's a photo appeared on Reddit, and it's also been on Twitter of Barnes holding an abolished ice shirt while posing for a picture. He's um, also just on the on the immigration front. He's also expressed support for illegal immigrants receiving driver's licenses and in-state uh, college tuition. This year, however, he's uh, he and his campaign have even made a concerted effort to distance themselves from um, from kind of that kind of the further left immigration agenda. Um, he said in a statement, for example, "I am not a part of the abolished ice movement." Uh, because no slogan can capture kind of the, the work we have to do. And he supports comprehensive immigration reform and, and very much kind of making it. And again, this is with Fetterman. It seems like appealing to a more moderate strand. You don't want to alienate your base by totally abandoning the position, but you don't want to stick by the position because, you know, people and uh, certainly the right, but uh, especially the center and independence will be turned off by that, uh, those rhetoric and positions. So again, try and trying to play it both ways for the general, but it's tough when you in the past, made a clear, you know, seemingly unambiguous stance, uh, you know, kind of one way. And that's in today's day and age, that's on the record. You know, we have tweets, we have, we have pictures. So it's, it's, uh, it makes it especially hard for candidates to try and square that circle. Yeah, it's really pretty remarkable. Another one to fund the police, right? He was embracing it, saying it was as good a dream as getting uh, Donald Trump's dream of getting a pardon. Now he's like, I'm not part of the defund police. I don't support defunding the police. This idea that to win the Democratic Party, these candidates had to swing far left, and then they have to spend their most of their general election strategy explaining away or just reversing those positions. It's got to be mind-numbing to some voters, right? It's like doing the Meryl Streep head thing. You just you literally thought you thought Mandela said this, and now he's over here. Tell us a little bit about that dynamic and maybe why the party's leftward tilt has put so many candidates in that position. Well, sure. And I think voters kind of are wondering, well, what am I voting for? Then kind of your, the ideas can the candidates campaign and you hear them talk and share their views and you decide which view is better. But if they're switching their positions, then I think voters are frustrated because they, they don't, they don't even know what they're voting for. So it's, um, I think that's a really important issue that, um, kind of, 
you know, we're certainly watching adjust the news and um, want to, you know, hold these candidates accountable. I would say that with uh, crime, I think is, you know, defund the police and uh, crime more broadly is probably the, the issue where you can see this the most clearly across the board. And I've reported on, on this the past kind of local mayors in blue cities that were real hubs of the defund the police movement done virtual virtual 180s. And I think crime beyond the economy inflation, which um, the polling data shows, uh, voters kind of disapprove of Biden's handling of that and uh, kind of are, are more supportive of the Republican message. Crime's the other big one where the polling shows um, they don't like what kind of uh, a lot of the, the progressives have been saying. And they're, you know, and, and they see with with violent crime increasing in some of these cities. So I, I, it's almost kind of out of necessity that uh, the, a lot of these candidates and local officials are kind of, I guess, embracing uh compared to at least what they said before, more pro-police and tough on crime uh, positions. And and Mandela Barnes is one person who's really tried to walk back his association with um, defund the police, trying to eliminate cash bail for a lot, a lot of a lot of crimes and, and things of that nature that uh, I think voters recognize or at least, you know, there, there's a correlation between those policies, it seems, and kind of increases in, in, in crime. Yeah, there's a new one out today or the last 24 hours in Pennsylvania. There's a new ad up pointing out that Fetterman had supported sanctuary cities. He's now actually calling for that ad to be taken down without actually saying, I didn't say it. Well, he definitely clearly did say it. You can see the very clear pronouncement by Fetterman on this. I think it was in 2016. I got to get this a fun one for me. I found this one doing some reading the other day. He said that sanctuary cities is another policy that I very much support. Now he's asking TV stations to take down an ad that says, oh, he supported sanctuary cities. It's just fascinating to watch this dynamic play out. These are states where they're middle America, right? They're common sense people. They don't have a lot of time for silliness. How do you think and you know, what do the experts tell you on this flip-flopping phenomenon? What might it do to voters? Does it frustrate you know, common sense voters who are like, hey, say what you mean, mean what you say? Yeah, I mean, and you said especially in some of these and, and these are a lot of these are swing states, important swing states. There's a lot of pragmatic voters who aren't really going to stick with ideology. They're going to weigh weigh what the candidates are saying and not be kind of tied to a party affiliation. According to various polling, it's easy anyone could could look this up. Um, the country's in the wrong direction, on the wrong track, and there's a sense of kind of almost pessimism. And I think that adds this: they want to say. We want our politicians to stand for something we believe in and, you know, try and look for a way out of this. But, uh, you know, it's instead politics as usual. And and on top of that, I'll say there's you know, uh, people I would say generally don't want some of these uh, more extreme kind of agendas. That's I don't that's not what the average Pennsylvanian wants. Yeah, probably on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one. Yeah. What Democrat, Republican, I think. So, Aaron, I think you're right about the common sense voters in these Midwest states are not going to tolerate a lot of flip floppers, a lot of people who don't want to debate because that's another dynamic that you've highlighted. We're, you know, less than 50 days from the decision day of Election Day. What do you think are some of the dynamics in these key states, the states that are going to decide the election? What are some of the dynamics that we should all be looking for from voters? Sure. Well, I think the economy is always um, or pretty much always the number one issue. So I think watching sort of if um, over the next couple of months, if in inflation, I think regardless, going to be high. But if, if the trend lines start to look good, things of that nature could have 
kind of a psychological impact if people see the economy um, kind of going one way or the other. Um, a lot of, and along with that, a lot of things, food prices, housing prices, you know, shelter costs, kind of know that these, these are all high, even if gas prices are, are going down. So, and, and, these, and again, these, these are what matter, ultimately matter to people the most. So um, I would say that's, uh, I mean, education is from what I've seen. That's, that's another one that's always top of the line for people. So um, yeah, a lot of the kitchen table issues and I think, and then crime would be the other one I would throw in there. And, uh, you know, in some of these states, some of these communities, um, crime goes up. I think there's a perception people, you know, right or wrong that Republicans are tougher on crime. And if you're seeing in some of these communities, a lot of, especially lower level crime, things like um, there's issues of, of, of homelessness or like, you know, uh, needles from drug needles being left on the ground, things, especially in California, you see this, but um, kind of that, things that leave a psychological um, kind of effect, uh, the impression that uh, there's disorder going on. I think these are issues just from what I've seen that will have really resonate and have an effect. A lot of the big a lot of the big issues that you talk about kind of a national scene are important, but it's, I think at the end of the day, it's what matters on a day-to-day basis for voters. Yeah. And we just had a story on Justin news. I think it was two days ago that for the first time in about three, four months, energy prices, oil and gas prices started ticking up again, which is what the experts have been predicting that by October, we'd start to see that sort of trend upward. So I think you're right on the money that that's one we got to keep our finger on the pulse. Aaron, you do such great work and we're so lucky to have you in the Justin News family. And this story this morning was just so well done. The amount of precision and detail you had really made the story enjoyable. So a big thank you to you on behalf of all of our audience. Well, I really appreciate it, the kind words. And, you know, um, I'll keep at it and, uh, you know, definitely be great. I'm sure uh, this won't be the last uh, kind of story on this topic (laughs) that we'll be doing before November. Well, we're sure glad to have you on the front lines covering this history. So it's great. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. A big, big thanks to both of our guests today. Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas, some really profound words on the war on the border, the war against fentanyl, the idea of treating cartels like they were terrorist organizations or treating them as terrorist organizations. That's a really big dynamic. And that threshold has been crossed for the first time by the state of Texas. The question now is, will other states do it? 
in what will Washington, D.C., Joe Biden, the Republicans in Congress, the Democrats in Congress, what will they do to respond? We're going to see in the next few days. I think that's a dynamic we'll be covering at justinnews.com. Now, tonight, please do me a favor and tune in at 6 o'clock Eastern Time on Real America's Voice for Just the News, Not Noise, my show with my incredible colleague, Amanda had she is just a great journalist and a great friend, a great thought leader. Tonight, we're going to break some news on the show. And I mean, we're going to break some news. We're going to break some news. Congressman James Comer, the ranking Republican on the House Oversight Committee, the man who would likely be chairman of that committee, the main investigative committee in Congress, if Republicans take over in January after the November election, he is going to come in and talk about some new details he've got about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and his uncle, Joe Biden's brother, Jim Biden, working with China to try to take American energy resources and assets and get them into Chinese hands, liquid natural gas, liquid natural gas ports, lithium, and even drilling sites and drilling companies in the United States. Remarkable, first off, that fossil fuels were where the Biden family was trying to dig in and make money on. More remarkable that strategic assets of the United States, they would be trying to transfer or help China, the communist government and its companies in China gain access to. So the congressman is going to come on. He has done some extraordinary work. They have secured some human cooperating witnesses for the first time. I guess we might call them whistleblowers, but that's going to be a big deal. Congressman James Comer is going to talk about what these new witnesses are telling him and then what documents they've been able to get and authenticate that verify what these uh, human witnesses are. But what we're going to hear tonight, I really want you to tune in on this, is what that there are two or more cooperating witnesses that say the Biden family was trying to cash in on fossil fuels and help China get fossil fuel assets in America, liquid natural gas, liquid natural gas ports, drilling companies, even things needed for car batteries like lithium. All of those are going to be in some documents. Now, separate of Congressman Comer, I've been working on obtaining some documents from some of Hunter Biden's business partners. We're going to make those available as well tonight. So we'll have a story on Just the News when you wake up in the morning. We'll hint at these and go over this on the Just the News, Not Noise TV show tonight. And then James Comer will react and give us the latest on what he's been doing. But because you're a John Solomon Reports fan, because you're listening here, you're getting it first. I can confirm to you today that we have documents from 2017, 2018, in which Hunter Biden and his business partners lay out a sweeping strategy to help Chinese clients, communist Chinese clients, gain access to the U.S. energy markets, to U.S. energy assets, including liquefied natural gas, liquefied natural gas ports, drilling entities, and even those that make the important mineral lithium mine it, which we need for car batteries and other power sources in America. You got it here first. We're going to have all the details. We'll put all the documents up. You can take, you don't have to take our word. You can see it and read it with your own eyes and and make up your own mind. Starting with our exclusive interview with Congressman James Comer, ranking Republican on the House Oversight Committee, 6 p.m. tonight, Real America's Voice. That's channel 219 on Dish Satellite, channel 240 on the Pluto Network, And on all of the Roku, Just the News, Real America's Voice apps, download the apps you can watch on the Just the News app. You just hit the watch button and you're in business. And I think by the end of tonight, you'll be very familiar with a company called Hudson West 3. Hudson West 3. That's the company 
where Hunter Biden was working with the Chinese energy company CEFC to acquire, attain significant assets in the United States. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Quickly before we go, because I love doing this every day, we have some of the best partners, some of the best advertisers and sponsors. They have incredible products. I mean, I'm so proud of the products. I use so many of them myself. And every day I like to shout out one of them and give you a sense of what they do, what sort of offers they've made available to those of us here. And I mentioned them yesterday, but a lot of people came and asked, hey, could you could you uh, mention it again? I think this is a really important piece of the puzzle. Heritage Foundation has an incredible nonprofit news site called The Daily Signal. It's one of the things I read every day when I get up in the morning. I start with it, along with The New York Times, The Washington Post, and Fox News, and some others. The Daily Signal is, is just chock full of really smart fact-based stories and some interesting commentary, thought leadership, how to solve some of the nation's uh, problems. And uh, it's got some top experts, got some top writers, some great investigative reporters, which I love about that. Uh, And so you should start your morning with them too. If you want to be in the know, if you want to be ahead of the curve, uh, sign up for the Daily Signal newsletter. And here's how you do it. You go to dcmorningnews.org. Let me do it again. DC, the letters DC, like Washington, DC, dcmorningnews.org. You get to sign up there, get a daily newsletter. It's like getting a newspaper delivered to your inbox, just like what we do at Just the News. Some really important news sources, some really important thought leadership on those daily signal, daily email. So go get signed up today at dcmorningnews.org. It'll start your morning off with the right out of news just to fit that cup of coffee. All right, folks, that does wrap it up for the day. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Remember to check out the TV show tonight at 6 o'clock and then go to Just the News in the morning. You're going to get those exclusive documents about Hunter Biden. All right, folks, that wraps it up. God bless you and have a great night. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.